The Standing Orders Podcast. Welcome to this latest edition of the Standing Orders Podcast with me, Dr. Thomas Foreman, and my co-host, the Emeritus Mayor, Sue Lorne. Good afternoon, Thomas. How are you? I'm very well, Emeritus Mayor, and how are you? Thank you. Are we allowed to say Happy New Year or are we way past Happy New Year? No, we're way past that. I mean, (laughs) I was. um, (laughs) Now, it has been, I I think this this can be classed as series three of the podcast um, because, well, it's been a bit of a gap and there's been a multitude of reasons um, for this gap. I I think I can start by saying um, I got covid um and yes you that... did and you were so poorly weren't you I was I mean I Being haven't a man taken and all that I know I haven't taken a sick day um no you haven't actually, I, 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 you? I I can't even remember if I've ever taken a sick day um I certainly didn't at Cardiff I didn't at never, or, no, no one and I haven't but if if I were to take a sick day it may well have been one of those days I mean I have never felt so ill um, really? Yeah, and what, what really is, has bothered me is I'm now seeing, because so many people have um, have now had, like, COVID, um, we're seeing kind of numbers rise, et cetera, et cetera, because it's it's the time of year, everyone is sitting indoors more. And so, you know, I, I know someone who's 86 and got COVID absolutely fine. And I'm sitting there thinking, really? Like, how am I so ill? How did I feel like I was at like death's door? But then, actually, by comparison, everyone else seems absolutely fine when they get ill. Mm. So, do you think it's a man thing? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can take that right out of your no. mind. Right <laughs> no, I, to be honest, actually, um, people people who I've known to get it this year, older people, it just doesn't have too much of an effect on them i don't know whether it's because they get the vaccine like because they still get the vaccine did you not have the vaccine well i did have the vaccine i've had two jabs but obviously but this year have you had the vaccine this year no because they don't do it for us youngsters it's only it it, it's only shall we say the more senior among us that uh that get jabbed have you been jabbed this year by any chance (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes because yeah, i'm still i thought i thought you might I've had the flu. <laughs> I even had the flu and i had them both done on the same day did you and i i probably had a little bit of a headache for a couple of hours and nothing else other than that you see and then following my my very short but very intensive recovery from uh from covid i then thought We've had the break. We can now jump in with both feet into doing a Christmas podcast. And then what happened? Don't even say it. Once again, (laughs) you went on holiday. (laughs) Never have I known anyone. I mean, you must be planting trees to get your carbon neutral kind of credential. I've got a whole forest in the backyard. Absolutely. (laughs) Got trees on top of trees on top of trees. No, just you know that we always go away after Christmas, and, and then and in the new sunshine. year, and then I always go kind of middle of the year, then obviously towards the end of the year again, then Christmas year. So it's one of the many holidays that you <laughs> that you have. Whenever you get to a certain age in life, 
You get That's your jab you and you get plenty of holidays. <laughs> That's the only reason why you work, is to go on holiday. Well, talking of so. holidays, this brings us in quite nicely. So we are going to cover a few local government kind of topics, obviously, because this is a local government podcast. Um, yes, but we're local. going to do it in a very light way, really, to ease you back into... We're going to do it in a very local way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to ease you back into um, kind of podcasting, because after so many holidays, um, I can only imagine that you, you might well have forgotten. Um, but talking of holidays... What are you doing in June? June. It yeah. depends. Is it the beginning of June or the end of June? The 11th of June. That's a good time. Yeah, that's there's nothing in my diary for the 11th Ch- of June. Tuesday, the 11th of June. Tuesday, the 11th of June. Yep, definitely nothing in my diary for Tuesday. Wonderful. Well, you can pencil in the collect. Blah. I can't even say it now. The Connected Clerks Conference, which is being hosted by our very good friends at the SLC. I'm, I'm going to have to say this. You are really the, the, the Connected Clerks Conference, which is being held by the SLCC Kent branch as part of the local council clerk week. Blimey, there's some there's some tongue twists in there. And of course, <laughs> the, the person who has advertised and promoted and I said I would ask you, and they I, I think actually made a special request for you, is uh Louise, who's the town clerk down at uh, Faversham in Kent. Um and when I went down there and gave a yes. uh, a talk for the um uh for their conference last year. Well, their unconference conference. Uh, you were requested. I, I got asked where you were. Uh, you weren't available, and so now I can say, "Are you available?" It's official. 11th of June. Can you mm-hmm. be there? And I can't think of anywhere else I'd rather be. Wonderful. So thank you very much for the invitation. It's a date. Um, I won't be there, uh, but I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> I could have been up to about two and a half minutes ago and now suddenly I've changed my mind. So enjoy the travel lodge. Um, <laughs> travel lodge? I don't think so. You're going to have to put me up in the best hotel okay. in town. I'll, I'll see what I can, uh, I can see what I can sort, but uh, no, wonderful. And I was thinking we could do a live podcast from, uh, from yes, the Connected Clerks Conference, and actually, mm-hmm. we just do it live. We broadcast it live, and we have everyone in the room to um, asking like, us questions. Yeah, or, or or actually, them doing all the hard work themselves, which <laughs> works equally well for me. And I'll just sit there and sip coffee, oh, as as per usual. But, yeah, which is absolutely what I did uh, last year when they invited me down. So. <laughs> that's that's good there's something to look forward to wonderful and I believe Annie who um well who has been in touch regularly and is really good at at listening so I'm always grateful to to Annie for that I think she will be there as well apparently and so um she she provides extremely good cake as well so uh excellent yeah absolutely so um wonderful well I'm glad that that bit sorted that was the main thing that I had to remember I had on my list of to do which I was going to ask you like about a month ago um but obviously you know, I'm not going to mention the holidays again, but, uh, but yeah. So, okay, I'll ask you some... Get over the holiday chance. I'll ask you some quick fire. Oh, um, no. Okay. No, 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 it'll be fine. So, councillors' personal addresses, so basically where you live, 
do you think that they should be withheld in certain circumstances? Would you like monitoring officers to be able to withhold that information? Or do you think that local councillors should have their addresses in the public domain irrespective because there's been some concern particularly around discrimination and people who have protected characteristics as well as just basically anyone with counselor in front of their name being the target of abuse mm -hmm. I mean were you happy having your address in the public domain yeah it didn't it didn't bother me at all um, well, I mean they'd have to be pretty fierce to come and take you on <laughs> um, I mean it would be <laughs> so, and I don't know that too many people actually care about were, you know, getting in touch with you directly face to face through your home. The majority of uh, residents would be aware that there's a process that you have to go through and it's not to go knocking on somebody's door saying, can you do this or can you do that? Um, so it's, it's not just simple, yeah, I think that they should be there or they, they shouldn't. Um, I think when it comes to elections, people want to know that if you're standing for an election, local town council parish or district then you're going to they want to know that the person that they're voting for is local knows what the local issues yeah, are i mean when, um, when you're voting i mean it does they they have the option of before you're elected so on the like electoral information that goes mm -hmm. out it says something for instance like candidate lives in this constituency or, or yeah. candidate and is, is in this, this district or, yeah absolutely um, so you, you that have that anonymity actually, but prior. For, yeah, but if it's for a district council, um, you don't have to live in, you know, in the town Lord, or the no. area that you're representing. Um, and again, because it's it's more, whenever I first stood for the district, I, it wasn't in the town that I'm living in. No, but no. it was just a few, <laughs> it was just a few <laughs> minutes up the road. Uh, it was quicker for me to get to that that uh, area than it was for me to um, oh, don't to even the say city. it <laughs> so so <laughs> so that side of it, it it wasn't a major issue but um so district i don't think it's it's horrendously you know important that the, the address has got to be there but whenever you're in relation to the town or the parish i think it is important I if I but it's just me. I wouldn't put myself forward if I was going to keep my address a secret. I wouldn't. There's nothing that nobody could ever approach me for or talk to me. I wouldn't particularly want for my family somebody to come knocking on the door saying, "Oh, what are you going to do about this?" or or whatever. Um, but I think that if you have a pretty good communication system through the town council office or through your emails, I think that there shouldn't be any need for, if you answer your emails reasonably quickly, um, or the town council but, office addresses I mean, things reasonably quickly, there wouldn't be any reason for you to need someone to come knocking on your door to, to talk to you. I mean, I don't think it would be the default that, that addresses are withheld, but I mean, would you like the would you like the option of it? And I guess I'm thinking, I mean, you know, there are candidates who, you know, maybe have been police officers who maybe have done other yes. jobs that also mm -hmm. makes them slightly more vulnerable mm -hmm. as well as potentially having protected characteristics or just generally, yeah. you know, they've received a lot of abuse. They've received abuse online or wherever and they just want their address mm -hmm. taken out. Do you mm -hmm. think that there should be a mechanism there for monitoring officers to do it, even if you yourself never felt it was necessary? Yeah. I... <laughs> Yes, I, I think that um, if somebody was, for example, a police officer in their previous life and um, they 
they didn't particularly want certain members of the of the community to know where they they lived now if they've if they've retired i don't think that you can do you i don't think you can stand if you're a serving police officer can you i'm not sure that you you can actually stand for uh, election if that's the situation mm-hmm. but um, um but yeah you i'm not sure if that I is guess, an exclusion i think i think well we'll have to look into that for the next time but um yeah so i think that it is that it is important i guess best that somebody has that opportunity but i think that you, you would then risk if if somebody thought that you were withholding your address because you didn't want the public to know where you live i think that might just go against you whenever it comes to the, the election and to be honest actually when the last election um and i was telling um at the polling station local to me mm-hmm. i had somebody who actually came up to me and she said i've seen the um one of the party's leaflets not my party but another party's leaflets and most of the majority of the councils councillors standing for uh, the standing for election had withheld their addresses and she said i would not vote for them because they'd withheld their address really hmm i'd forgotten that really strange but yeah hmm so I think, as I said, I think it doesn't match too much in the district, but I think whenever it comes to town or parish, then residents want to know that you are local to the area. Okay, here's your second question. Do you think that there should be an automatic presumption that town councillors and mayors, like, uh, hold on, let me rephrase that. Do you think there should be a presumption that town councillors get an allowance like councillors do at district? And do you think there should be an additional allowance for the mayor and uh, deputy mayor? Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, yes, I think it's really important that parish um, town councillors should get some kind of an allowance. It's Again, you see, you, you know, surprised it's... me. There was there was a there was a really good piece written by a couple of uh, town clerks, uh, Ian Morris, who I think from memory is the clerk to Peterley Town Council, and Mark Smith, who's the chief exec at Chippenham Town Council, both kind of clerks to two pretty sizable uh, town councils, and they make a really persuasive argument as to why pretty much town and parish councils now can't really afford not to pay uh, a basic allowance to their members and potentially an additional allowance as well to the mayor. I think they make kind of five key points, which I won't go into in any great detail, because basically I think it's more important for people to go and actually look it up. It's been featured in the SLCC and I think elsewhere um, as well in another magazine, but they highlight the lack of diversity and actually that there could be some issues under the Equality Act. And actually they highlight the lack of diversity and encourage councils to uh, do an equality impact assessment just to actually see whether or not not paying an allowance is having a detrimental impact on the diversity of the council itself and the potential for people who are underrepresented gaining public office. Um, they outline the difficulties in terms of the lack of uh, equality, uh, the lack of engagement and involvement, the lack of respect and civility, um, and kind of moving away from that kind of Vicar of Dibley style image of, of parish councils 
And also they outline, which to be fair, I hadn't even picked up on, um, an issue around kind of expenses and, you know, seeing whether some councils aren't paying an allowance, but they're doing it via other means, which should be taxed, but isn't, and actually whether that's going to cause problems in the future. So I thought, actually, reading this, I don't know what Sue would think. No, and, and take me back probably 10 years ago, I would have said, no, you're doing this, you're volunteering and you're doing this um, at the goodness of your heart for your community. But the, uh, I think the difference in the past 10 years, how things have changed, is that you do, you do spend an awful lot of time, um, I guess, printing things out or you know I, I it's an allowance i'm not saying that you should get a wage for it but i think basic you should allowance. get yeah just just an allowance just that covers your um the costs of you know whatever you're doing petrol um if you you think okay most most people who who live in this area um can have a 10 minute walk to get to the nearest meeting point but some areas which are density isn't so high you you have a fair distance to travel so you should be able to get mileage you should be able to get um we don't print it out so much now everything's sent by email but i don't see that it's it's any hardship to to let a counselor have an allowance of some form for the time that they give to um to their community i don't think that the district council pays anywhere near enough for the work mm -hmm. that a councillor has to do that side of things and I, I as a as a local town parish councillor you don't get a penny do you but as a district you do get a, a, a small allowance yeah and we've said this previously you know people most people who are able to take up the role as a as a councillor would be people who are coming up to retirement so you don't you know you you haven't got the commitment of a full-time job to be able to commit yourself to being a, a counsellor um but lots of people are turning it down because they just don't have the finance they don't have the time to be able to give it to the district council um for the community because the the the, the uh, payment that they get is is pennies in comparison to what they would be losing taking the time off work to cover the meetings that they they need to do so Absolutely. um yeah so i think no district... i actually don't disagree with you on that at all i do think well i think it varies from councillor to councillor um but i i do think you know it's a really difficult thing because a lot of councillors especially at town and parish level they they like to, and this sounds awful, they like a bit of martyrdom that, you know, we're volunteers, we don't get paid anything, mm. we don't get any allowances. But as soon as they do, um, you know, it 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 then becomes slightly more expectant, I think, from the public that, that, that they'll see mm -hmm. something. Whereas actually, I think that there is a, a strong argument, I think this is one of the main points that was made, is that, you know, we need that diversity of experience we need to be able to draw people in who are going yeah. to actually, you know, be able to fulfill the role. We, we get younger people in with less, with kind of different experience. And I think it, it is what you said, which is you do tend to get older people coming in to be counsellors and it's kind of like the next step. Mm -hmm. Whereas actually, you know, we, we don't 
necessarily want that to be the the kind of traditional career path to be a counsellor. And actually, there's mm. nothing wrong with being counsellor at 18, 20, 25, because it, it's actually it's just sick. bringing different perspectives into the kind of into the meeting and into the discussion. This is it. You need the input from the younger people. Um, middle, you need it from, from all age groups. And it's it's not um, like some people will say that once you get to a certain age, 65 plus, you, you don't have the same, um, you, you don't see the same bigger picture as what the, the younger people with with the families, um, you, you don't understand just how much, um, you know, free sp green space they need or because you're not doing it with, with the younger children, you might do it with your grandchildren, you know, go to the parks, etc. But um, yeah, you, you need to have all that input from all the different walks of the community. And unfortunately, uh, the majority of younger people just don't see that they have the time to put into the commitment that it needs. Um, and again, if to me, if you're gonna do this, I've said this so many times, if you're gonna go and do the job, you have to do it properly. You have to know everything about every section of the community that you're gonna be involved in. If, you know, planning has always been the most contentious um, it? subject that um, has ever come up. And um, you need to know if somebody comes along and says, oh, I see that they're building 400 houses in the field behind me and you don't know anything about that. That's not very good. So you need to be involved in all walks of it. And, um, and, and that all takes time. You know, the time that you're going to just read the, you know, the, the minutes of the past meeting that you've just been involved in, the agenda, the one that you're coming, coming up to next. It all takes time. I've said use this before. You know, the Absolutely. fact that I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, Sunday nights are just so different. <laughs> you know, I don't <laughs> have to sit down for hours on a Sunday evening and work out what agendas I've got to read up on for the rest of the week. That's made a hell of a difference in life. So yeah, you need to you need to have people who are committed to doing that. And unfortunately, I think and I think people are disillusioned as well. I think that sometimes, you know, they just think, well. It's, nobody's going to listen to me. Nobody's going to, you know, get involved in in what my um, issues are, and um, and they need to know that it is it's out there. You want to take up the challenge. You want to, you know, to go forward on whatever issues you want to. You've got every right to stand as a counsellor, and but we do need a lot more younger people to do it. And so, I, I mean, I think that kind of leads on a bit with with younger people kind of coming into local government and actually I would say you also starting to see a lot of younger people coming in as officers into local government as well and actually there was a really interesting piece on young heads of service and people in their kind of early mid-20s taking up assistant director posts and actually bringing a completely fresh perspective to things like transformation I mean we're kind of balancing at the moment with a lot of councils, especially kind of principal councils, effectively going bankrupt, obviously not actually bankrupt because councils can't go bankrupt because they always have the ability to, to with with government vision, raise the precept or, or raise the council tax to be able to to meet the, uh, the requirements and to cut services except for those that are statutory. So, you know, there is a real kind of financial I would say, uh, well, there are huge financial issues in the sector. 
do you think and this was an article that was in the mj um in the last few weeks do you think that innovation in local councils is more important than ever and that actually the ability to kind of innovate and to spend money on that kind of transformative role is more important than ever or do you actually think that councils need to be kind of less um innovative less kind of striving to be that kind of transformational kind of business and actually go back to the bread and butter and, and just kind of save where they can save and actually mm. cut services where they can cut services? No, I think it's never been so more important for councils, councils to be uh, finding more innovative ways of getting um, the, the income into the council other than sitting waiting for it to come from the county council or from the local government. You, you can't do that anymore. You have to find ways of making your council um, you know, get income that um, is going to be beneficial to, to the rest of the community. Um, we've, as you, as you know, when we were at um, the town council, we started the firework display, didn't we? We did indeed. And well, actually, it, I, I didn't. I kind of moved it. And well, changed went, it, you, but it kind of inherited yeah, but you, something of it. You, you took it forward, and we then went from something like a thousand people attending to eight, nine thousand people attending. So that brought money. It's just that one simple thing, that one major event of the year, but that brought us so much more money in that yes, we were did. able to do lots of community things. So the money that the preset that we got from county that then um went to um to do the, the the jobs that we we needed to do to maintain the areas in 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 the town but the money that we received from the firework display that then gave us to be able to put christmas lights up to be able to do um you know events throughout the year that still meant that everything was free for uh, for the residents but just that one major event of the year where people had to pay and it was pennies that people paid to come and see that fireworks um that then well, technically it, it was actually pounds i mean pennies. it was it, it, it actually wasn't pennies it, it was pennies. it was lots of pennies. <laughs> <laughs> but i mean no i think it you're right i mean but are pounds you, worth of pennies i mean we're seeing the use of ai more in in local government um I mean, do you think that AI has, you know, do you think AI will be good for local government? Do you think oh, that it I has? No. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Uh, no, I don't, no <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I, I, I just think that are you then going to lose the personal touch? You know, the personal contact um, is, yeah, everything is is changing, and and you can you can do so much. You look at how the banking system is working, for heaven's sake. And when was the last time that you ever spoke to anybody, um, to a human being, whenever it came to any issues with with banking? But um, I don't want to see councils uh, going down the route that, oh uh, yeah, you have to go online and you have to do this. You have to do GP surgeries, for heaven's sake. I don't want to be that, um, you know, you don't get to speak to anybody. Thank you for listening to the Standing Orders podcast by Politis. Please like and subscribe to get your weekly edition. You can suggest topics by emailing podcast at politisconsulting.co.uk.